0: Recently, I've been asked some questions about a uh, traditional practice in, uh, in Buddhism that goes back centuries. I'm not sure of the uh, source of it, uh, not sure of the source of almost anything. Uh, so, the title of uh, uh, this morning's Dharma talk is No Noble Silence. A noble silence, in other words, it's uh, sometimes used a little bit different, is called functional speech. And when I first uh, began practicing with my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Poche, in 1973, this is something that I ran into. Was, well, you meditate, and then when you're done meditating, if you're in a retreat situation, then you're you're silent. You don't talk unless you absolutely have to. In a noble silence, you you don't talk at all. Functional speech, you talk like please pass the salt, that kind of thing. Very functional. So I uh, and I've been I was trained as a meditation instructor in that tradition in uh, in the Karma It was before Shambhala, so it was in the kagyu tradition of one of the four main lineages of Tibet. And I also had had practiced with Kategori Roshi in the Zen tradition in uh, uh, Minneapolis back in the early 70s. So I had a good taste of uh, functional speech or noble silence. And as some of you know, and maybe some of you can tell, I don't think much. Is that okay with you guys? You're probably doing enough thinking for both of us. This doesn't mean I don't think at all, it just means that the thinking is not coming out of uh, some kind of confusion, trying to figure something out. This is a mis- misunderstanding of the way the mind works. People do it everywhere, all the time. The whole world is run out of, should we or shouldn't we? Anytime you see a, a should I or shouldn't I, stop. Don't do anything. Stop figuring. Remember where your hands are. You might Just start with your own body. Your only source of sanity, my friends, is your body not someone else's body, not someone else's laws, not, not my laws, not what I say. If you understand what I'm saying, you can leave this room and never listen to me again, which is the idea here of a teacher is to, so you can you have, as Trungpa Rinpoche said, you have the teacher so you can leave the teacher. You don't have the teacher so you can become a, a, a some kind of a supplicant or some kind of a slave. And this, there are some teachers that want you to, want to hang on to you. So no noble... Silence, that's coming out of watching this, looking at this, doing what I teach, observe this for a long period of time. Uh, about 30 years, actually. It's a long time. It's even a long time when you're as old as I am. So, and what I saw over a long period of time is, is the way that that was used by people, including me, to as, uh, as, uh, as for some people, as kind of a hideout. Oh, I don't have to talk to anybody all day what's commonly called an introvert, people who don't really want to be, they don't want this community socializing stuff. And then there's the other people who love that, and they're actually tortured by being quiet all day long. and They hate it. But they do it anyway. Or not. Or they sneak off in the corner and have little conversations with their friends behind the Buddha. Not much room back there. Uh, so, again, this is something I say over and over and over again. I'm going to say it again right now. This is an awareness practice and i'll say it contrasted with what some people think it is that's a control practice it is not about control there's lots of places i spent four years in the marine corps i can tell you what control is and it's not about awareness in the marine corps it's about control and this is why there this world is so wild and crazy because there are some people want to control everybody else that's the end of my political statements So I didn't uh, suddenly just think it up. I think I'll not have the the form of noble silence or functional speech. When you're sitting facing a wall, one one of the things you can tell by looking at all of our forms, the ones I think are important, we actually have, if you come here and live at this monastery, you're required, unless you can show me other, or you need something, have something else you have to do, you're required to sit and face this wall six and a half hours a day. So I didn't cut back on that. I increased it. Most people don't sit six-and-a-half hours, or even in monasteries. Look at the other monasteries in the country, or even in Japan. They barely sit an hour or two hours a day, maybe three if it's a a special day. Usually it's some kind of forms or supplications or repetitions. Those are good, too. We do some of those, some. So I have had, in the past, I had one friend who came, uh, wasn't a student of mine, but was a little bit of a student while they're here. When you leave, when you're here, you're a student. When you leave, you can... Do something else uh, she really wanted to practice functional speech and so and then she said could i put a i said well it's not a rule just just don't talk you don't have to somebody talks to you just don't respond just drop your gaze or, or else say functional speech uh, the, if they're they might be confused by that because they know that's not a forum so that's a way of separating yourself from everybody through so you're this special person who is actually taking on a uh, Heavier practice, you know, not talking all day. Noticed by sarcasm as intentional. <clears throat> that being said, I wanted to meet her where she was at. I, I, my motivation is to help her, not to manipulate her or control her. So I looked at the situation, did not think about it, looked at the situation, and then I heard myself saying, Yes, you can you can put that on, and then other people will observe that you don't want to talk. So we'll see how that goes. Let's just go ahead and do it that way. And that seemed to work okay. Was anyone here during that? You were here. Anyone else? So, it seemed to be all right. It was a little confusing. I think she shushed you up a few times. And it doesn't make her wrong. It just means that she was trained in a different tradition. And she was stuck to that tradition. A tradition is not going to help you very much if you're stuck to it. Don't believe in anything. Don't disbelieve anything. And don't ignore anything. Try that on. Do that the rest of your life. There's your practice. You don't even have to meditate. And and that's the other thing I would say is you shouldn't meditate unless you have to. If you're meditating because I told you to or somebody else told you to, you should look closely at that. On the other hand, if you're a student of mine, you better meditate. Why be a student? You're not going to, yeah, be something else. It's just a form. So uh, over a long period of time looking at the form, I saw how that form seems to doesn't seem to really help the awareness Part of the practice what it what it helps is it gives you actually a break from talking to people uh, and then the uh, the other people who uh, really uh, want to talk and want to socialize and so on um, might be a little easier for them if there's not a, a rule that you can't chat with people so what i say is this is my emphasis here and you know we could we could have a debate on this or you can have a debate with somebody else because i don't debate the way it looks is if you're sitting down, looking at the wall all day long, this is, this is a, a actual silence. I mean, you're sitting, looking at a wall, and your form is sit down, hold still, look. That's not all, it's somewhat artificial because you would probably move around or shift around or lean back. Anytime you move anything at all, even the slightest movement, this takes awareness away. You, you can look at this for yourself <clears throat> from what, everything else is moving. Even if you don't aren't aware that you're uh, um, uh, casually moving around or shifting your position. This is why it's so important to hold very, very still, just observe and the, the more still, less rigid but still and silent, then anything that's moving anywhere over time takes a while. you begin to things begin to show up that you've been able to shut down on, ignore, dismiss, disregard or distract yourself from. So the idea with the form is to help you is to help you, clarify your mind, help you work with your, uh, descriptively, you could say your insanity, or your craziness, or your spinning mind, or however you want to however you want to call it. And so the silence part, or the stillness part, just like walking meditation on command. You need some kind of timing, so we do have that. You just were here for the morning service, lots of sutras, but not that much. What, 25, 30 minutes in a whole day, not that much. So in the traditional practice, uh, Zen, and not so much in uh, Tibetan uh, Buddhism, uh, but uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, when he came over, he kind of adopted the Zen form. But of course Trungpa Rinpoche is only 33 years old, or 32 years old at the time, and he's only been in the West for 7 or 8, 10 years, so uh, he had to come up with something. So he borrowed Zen. So this you would, someone would strike the bell, you'd be sit, sit for 40 minutes or half an hour, an hour, and then you would get up and walk for 10 minutes a certain way. Uh, the kinhin style is uh, you know, shashu mudra like this, uh, parallel with the floor, like so, or under the, the raksu, like so, if you're wearing one. And then uh, you step, half steps, and you, um, you know, one way that it's done is you you synchronize that with your out-breath. When you step down, you breathe out, and then you watch your breathing, and then you step with uh, uh, synchronicity with the out-breath, out-breath, out-breath. And this uh, it feels pretty good to do that. It's an interesting practice. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but the way it looks, you need to do that when you need to do it, not when some arbitrary person sitting in front hits a bell, time to sit after exactly 40 minutes or exactly an hour. The one thing Frank Rinpoche did do is uh, he saw that the that 40 minute period, or the half hour period, or the 45 minute period, or the 50 minute period that was used in the Zen, not a uh, Soto Zen, Rinzai Zen, and other forms of sitting meditation. He changed that, he modified it. So if you went to what he uh, called a Datun, or an all day med- or all uh, month month long meditation, you'd rather do a situation where you'd be sitting 10 hours a day, and uh, thereabouts, and you would come in and you would, the bell would ring, they'd do a, a, some morning chants, and uh, English translation of Tibetan chants. You'd do those, and then you would sit for maybe 20 minutes, the bell would ring, time to walk. Get up then, uh, later, then you'd sit for 38 minutes, and the bell would ring again. And then the next time, it would be an hour and a half. And one day, we would get, get warned about it. Somebody would say, you know, in the third week, there's a five-hour set. So, <laughs> so everybody's... I didn't sit, and I went to the bathroom in the middle of that. <laughs> Not in the meditation hall. I <laughs> went in an outhouse where Allen Ginsberg had written a poem. <laughs> so this whole idea of, of when to do this, when not to do this, functional speech, no functional speech, I, I would leave it up to you, uh, each individual, just like walking meditation, even though we do a scheduled walking meditation, I think uh, just during retreat, just during uh, the all day, once a month, and then during uh, Sesshin, we have about four days of pretty classically structured Zen. Um, so uh, I'm not particularly analyzing it and taking it apart. I'm just looking at it over a long period of time. What, what's going to really help? What's helped me? Uh, being a meditation instructor since 1978, I've watched what seems to be helping other people. Talk to lots of people uh, way before I um, started uh, practicing in this way. <clears throat> so it seems that some people could, you're, hour, you're sitting here for a couple of hours, and uh, after 20 minutes, a half an hour, 45 minutes. You might want to get up and walk around. It is certainly okay to get up and do walking meditation. You can even do the very slow kinhin form, or you can do the more, a little bit more uh, ordinary uh, walking meditation uh, that's taught in the, that's now taught in the Shambhala tradition. I think, I don't know, they changed things there, but it was was taught uh, back in the 70s when I learned this, and that would be just, you might hold your hand in shashu, but you would just walk at more of a, a ordinary speed and not synchronize anything. So either one of those, probably a good idea that everybody should walk clockwise, not because it's a magical direction, but because it's, we can all agree on that. Nobody's going to run into anybody else. And then that would be up to you when to interrupt your sitting practice, because some people might be right in a state where the very best thing, and when I say that, I'm not talking about it analytically. I'm saying the very best thing is to stay there and continue to look at the wall and not get up and walk right then. And yet you've got somebody arbitrarily telling you to it's time to walk, just like somebody arbitrarily telling you time to shut up. And as something is artificial. Uh, I, I did this. I followed orders. I was in the Marine Corps. So for 30 years, I did it the way my teacher, my guru, told me to do it and told everybody else. So I just followed that even though I, I didn't. I had to... Well, mis- is the word misgivings about it for a long time, kept and kept thinking, well, I'll probably see eventually how how valuable this is, and I'll be on board for that. It never happened. And uh, that being said, I, I never really made a decision not to do that. I just noticed that I wasn't telling anybody that. Um, you were here a few several years ago, and i we just did this, and I said, let's just not do it that way. But it didn't become a a, a strong form. <clears throat> as something that was laid out as something to, to do or not do, but just you just stop doing that right? either walking meditation or uh, function or uh, um, not say enforcing or having a form called functional speech or noble sign. So, the interesting thing about that, too, is uh, that's very helpful uh, is uh, the, the three jewels in Buddhism is the Buddha, is the example of someone who is awake the Buddha and the teaching, or everything is dependently arisen, there's no separate self anywhere, either here or there, it has to be realized, it's not something you can just think about. And then the third one, which is quite often uh, ignored, is the Sangha, or the community of people who are studying this. These people need to talk to each other. If you have people sitting, I've been to many retreats in the last close to half a century, where you go somewhere. I'm thinking of one I went to in Indiana that was with a, a Kagyu group. Uh, it was uh, with uh, His Holiness the 16th Karmapa before he passed on. His uh, community was down there practicing with them. And, um, and because they had this fun- functional silence, I didn't get to know anybody. So I came, I meditated with them, they were there. Uh, I, uh, there was no interaction because everybody had to be quiet. And so you sat, and even though you'd, you'd eat together and you couldn't talk to anybody because it's functional speech, so you know, I might as well stayed home. Uh, maybe it's not exactly that way, but there was something at the time. I, I just remember that I you know I saw a lot of people. I practiced with people for the whole weekend, uh, but um, two and a half days, something like that. Didn't so there was no interaction in a in an ordinary social way with others. Sometimes the last day of the retreat, the one uh, uh, Unyo and I went to several years ago, went to Detroit, uh, the Detroit Zen Center, and uh, and there kind of tight over there about things like that so you can get to really talk to people it was the five days you know five days um, and pretty pretty strict pretty classically uh, along the lines of Rinzai was it was a, <coughs> a koan practice so you're, you're given a this uh, dumb logical question illogical question and you're to, supposed to try to make sense out of it you've all heard of koans probably yeah. so your life is your koan you don't need to have something extra in there that's how it looks to me it's not right It's not correct. If you think it's some uh, some some other way, then do it some other way. Um, And so that's another uh, situation where we didn't really get to know people there. I think you you and I uh, talked maybe three or four times. Said something like, "How are you doing? Okay. How are you doing? Was it? (laughs) I was even uh, in the work period. I was even uh, building a wall, a stud wall in the community area there and. uh, I was talking a little bit with this young fellow who was helping me, and I was telling him what to do and, and how to do that. And uh, they actually came and told me to not. I'm mean, in a work period. I can't talk with a guy. And I'm there, I mean, I would, if I were to just say, hand me those nails, <laughs> <laughs> is this the correct hammer? So, mocking it a little bit. Um, but I would have been uh, would have been good to be able to to visit with that person a little bit even in a work period, I, could have, I wouldn't have want me do So what is this about control? And what is control about? Power. And what is power about? You'd get you get to be under somebody else's thumb. It's happening all over the place. Don't do it. Don't believe anything I say. You don't have to ignore it. Don't believe it. I'm not I, I don't need any followers. I don't even need students. And they don't need me for very long if they're really if they're really students. You don't need the teacher very long, because eventually uh, you, the mind, as I said in the classical tradition, the mind of the teacher and the mind of the student merge. I was going to just say, tell one more anecdote, which I think is quite good. It has, has a little bit to do with this, and you can apply it in your own mind as you as you hear it. But I'm in uh, the mid-70s sometime, I'm in Chicago, I'm at the Dharmadhatu then. Uh, it's on the second floor, uh, looking down onto State Street. And uh, Trungpa Rinpoche was there doing doing an intensive training seminar. Which you would come from Boulder every now and then and do those. I would always go down. Mm-hmm. Some of you have heard this story. And I'm standing there looking out the window, and a, um, a fellow uh, Sangha member there, remember the community? I, I'll I won't say his last name, but his first name is Roger. And he had uh, those of uh, those who who were down there. Which I doubt any of those people are watching this, but. Uh, he was, he had a, uh, I think he had a PhD in philosophy. He was a very, very intelligent fellow. Uh, pretty hard to get a PhD in philosophy without, when you say that, Would you say, you would, you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm here, and there's a little bit of space between us, not much, but a little bit. And Roger's over here, and we're kind of looking down. A few little random comments, not functional speech, but uh, just a little bit of talking. And then who shows up between us but uh, uh, Trungpa, and he's standing there, and he's, He's also looking down at the traffic and I'm I'm petrified oh, because I, I know that he can probably read my mind. <laughs> he can see how completely insane I am and how I don't even deserve to be a student of his and I shouldn't even be meditating. I should go back and wait a few more lifetimes before I, you know, as a, uh, a potato farmer in uh, Belgium or something. Uh, but I'm standing there and I, I, I really am, I'm not kidding, I really was. You know, nervous because I hadn't, I'd never sat, in, you know, like I sit and chat with all of these people, uh, my students uh, here, and I'm quite accessible. He, he was accessible, but you didn't know if you wanted to access his accessibility. <laughs> because, he, because he was incredibly, uh, his, his presence was quite overwhelming, uh, whereas uh, mine is not. Um, Koben Roshi was another style of teacher whose presence was practically invisible, you wouldn't know he was in the room. Yeah, something was in the room, but you didn't know if it was him or something else. His, uh, we call that, I call that bodhicitta, his bodhicitta was uh, powerful. But it didn't come to an, It come from an individual. It's like it was uh, uh, it was environmental generosity, environmental uh, awakening. So <laughs> we're standing there in the, and then uh, Roger wants to kind of whoop it up with, Hey, so I'm coming pretty close to his voice. Oh, Rinpoche, what do you think of Chicago? And remember Jay, there was a little bit of a pause and said it doesn't matter what I think of Chicago And now everything. <laughs> we found out what functional speech was <laughs> And so using that that's that's how that could work. that would be a way for that to work so that so that it comes out of awareness and out of the environment out of the it's situational rather than you apply something and make sure every, no one can talk because three people it uh, might be much better for them to interact with others and then two people maybe they should be more quiet but it's their path <laughs> and so the sooner you can help your as a teacher the way i feel the sooner you can help somebody walk their path everyone's path is different that's the amazing thing about the buddha dharma if it's if it's understood there are people who teach buddha dharma that's not actually what the buddha taught and i'm not going to list them or correct them or do anything because. I also would take it even further and say, I don't know what kind of help they are giving to others. Probably something that I can't do. So question to have. Joseph? What is authority? Uh, that's something that you think exists until you look really closely and you find out there is no such thing. Everything is concocted. Anything, anytime there's a, a polar, some kind of authority uh, going on, this is just uh, intense relative truth. But ultimately, there is no source of authority. If you discover that, then nobody can tell you what to do, and you won't tell anybody what to do. And you'll be complete. It's called, I'm calling it right now, environmental respect. It's just environmental. You're not, no respect for someone. You're just very respectful of everything. You don't meddle with anything. And especially don't enter end anything unless you're invited. If someone is... Obviously, or maybe not so obviously, if someone is on the verge of killing themselves, you might want to step in their way and say, let's think this over for a while. And they might say, mind your own business. And you probably should. Be very, very careful about your ideas about somebody. You, rather, you cannot see the big picture. That's why they call it the big picture. You can't see it. You can see a little picture. You can see that. You can see this room. You don't know what's happening out in the parking lot right now. Somebody could be giving away a gold bullion. They're not, so just in case your imagination is getting carried away with you. I would know. Huh? You would, would know. know. Yeah. Well, aren't you a Capricorn? No, I just love gold. Oh. <laughs> well, I but you. I am a Capricorn. That's well, yeah, what I do. <laughs> well, if we see you leave, we're coming you <laughs> with our empty carpet bags. So, so Yes. When you first started talking about noble silence, you said that some people like, really like it and like to hide behind it, but there's others that really detest yeah. noble silence. And yeah. I was wondering if, if it's equally, if it equally lacks value for both or if it would be helpful for some to do that. I think I think the important thing about it is that you could do that, but you don't have to institute some kind of form where noble silence, you know, where nobody can talk to you. It would be better to just work on that yourself. Just say, for this retreat, I'm going to keep my, my extra speech to a minimum. And that would be something for someone who, the classical term is an extrovert, someone who does that. But it's up to them to do that. We provide, I provide, you provide a strong form for people to train their mind. We come in here, this is not a belief system. We don't, I don't believe in this. If I believed in this, it would not be Buddhism. It might be something else, but it would be Buddhism. Belief, disbelief, and ignoring. Are the three three that we avoid? What is actually the case? We believe it. When soon you believe something, you put your interpretation on top of it, and you, and you, the, the, what's happening behind it could start to change and do something else. But you're so busy fixated on what you think it is, you don't even notice the change. So the classical extrovert, introvert, I think it's up to that person uh, to work with that themselves. And you'll notice if uh, those of you who come here, even though there's not a regulation about it. Uh, when it, things tend to quiet down uh, um, situationally, we're in here having uh, oryoki, Generally, that's fairly quiet. People we can have 20 people in here all eating without any. But if you go to a, a, a um, some other Zen practice, Zen uh, place, they'll they'll tell you not to talk. In here, it happens naturally. Much better way for that to work. And that way, at some point, someone says, "So do I put my spoon on? This? Can I can I eat?" You know those kind of things about the, because the forms are laid out so specific and you could a person could actually ask something but if you're at uh, and I've eaten uh, Orioki style three-bowl meal uh, comes out of the, the Japanese monastic tradition I've eaten, uh, eaten that way with a group of 300 people dead silence 300 people. That's unnatural <laughs> And it's not unnatural that it helps. It creates a, a situation that then the ego mind, me, 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 and my stuff, me and my control, me and what's good, me and me winning, me and me getting bread better. That mind resonates with that as some kind of thing to live up to. It's called a standard. It even says in the, what in uh, was it, Hokio Zanmai, says don't set up standards. There's just some of them. Yeah, I, I always get those confused. Do you know? Hokio Zanmai is that do not set up standards. No. It sound okay. Sound okay. Never gonna So, the idea of not setting up standards is not you couldn't couldn't have a standard. You couldn't have a you know it's a red light stop. You know we some some we need, but it needs to be situational. So we are following rules, regulations, or or standards because we don't have a choice in that uh, in the sense of uh, uh, I wouldn't say would say necessarily choice, but we, we, we need to do that. The situation requires that we have red lights. So that we can keep cars from hitting each other, although the roundabout works pretty good. <laughs> yes. What's the difference between the the not naturalness of the three hundred people eating together, like you were talking about, and the the bit of artificialness when we sit and face the wall? Uh, because in the what you're doing there is eating. you with a lot of people. It's a social situation. People eat, eat together when you sit and face a wall. You, you know, you not that you can't eat by yourself too, but it's a this is a you need to have a little bit of it. It's what Buddhism is called uh, the, the middle way, not too tight, not too loose. Sometimes it just gets too tight because because of the control factor. But if you just sit down, hold still, and face the wall, it's quite natural. It might be, excuse me, unnatural to to not you know shift around a little bit. But that's the training of the discipline part. So a little bit of that, uh, as has been said, goes a long way. Because if you sit like this for a half an hour, you're going to be very clear on how crazy you are, because you want to get up. And anyone who can sit like this and uh, doesn't want to get up and is enjoying enjoying themselves, they should come and talk to me. I want to know how they do that. (laughs) You can actually make this into a God realm of of like a spiritual materialism, kind of a, a state of mind that is serene and blissed out and has rainbows and sparkly, nice. It's almost like somebody's... Angels are kissing you. Okay, enough mocking. Go ahead. Choo-choo. You use the word "arbitrary" times. I'm wondering what you mean by that. <coughs> arbitrary comes from the word "arbor." <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it in reference to? I think specifically, you were talking about walking meditation. Mm-hmm. So maybe you need to sit more instead of arbitrarily ring a bell. Arbitrarily means that uh, it's arbitrary. Uh, I mean, it's a timed thing. So it's uh, so the uh, they he she they are striking the bell at a certain given time on the, the list like we do on uh, the the all day there's a certain time I think in the afternoon where we do walking meditation once a month uh, but it's uh, from the point of view of the of the person who's sitting um, it's it's kind of arbitrary it's not it's not tuned into to their actual practice so it might even be someone interfering with that on some level so it's like obeying something yes go ahead I guess I'm curious if there's an opposite to an opposite concept to arbitrary what does arbitrary mean you're asking about it's opposite yeah. i just used a word but that, i don't claim any knowledge of the <laughs> definition <laughs> so arbitrary means there's no there doesn't seem to be any it seems to be just uh we're just hitting it so hitting the the, the striker on the on the bell and it's a uh, even though there's a timing for it it's, it's somewhat arbitrary as far as the state of mind so there's no there's no working with the state of mind. It just interferes with the state of mind as something. Life is doing that enough already. And so I would say, when you're training your mind, you need to. Uh, the way it looks here, and this is from doing it for a long, long time. It's not. I didn't read a book on this. It's from doing talking to people about it, sangha, and looking at my own mind, uh, how I, what happens with me when I sit for long periods of time. And so that's how that where that's coming from. I, I can see where there are times when. One needs to sit for eight minutes and get up and leave and actually deal or work with the, the, the commentary that comes out of our subconscious gossip about ourselves and who we are. So that we can see the way that part of the mind in this uh, yoga chart tradition called the sun's consciousness, how that keeps t- trying to analyze and judge. You need to see that judgment and seeing that judgment in your own dynamic, not just the dynamic of the, someone striking the bell. Life is doing that to us enough as it is. You already have to, you already have really strong forms using the bell. You have to be here on time. Uh, and if you're not, you're not. But So you relate to your, what, what happens in your mind when, when you don't come, when the Hanan bell is struck out in the entryway. Yes. What is the difference between, let's say you're sitting, you get eight minutes in and you have a thought that you need to get up, mm-hmm. or there's awareness that you need to get up? What's the difference? And that was... It's uh, the awareness will not have a, won't have an agenda, unless it's an, unless the agenda comes with it. Like oh, I forgot to turn off the coffee pot, or, or, or I have forgot to turn on the coffee pot. So then, then it's it's situational, but uh, it's not that it's not situational when you're sitting and you just feel so antsy you need to get up. But you may need to go through that and not have it interrupted uh, by uh, um, uh, an extra form, the, the the form of timing the. Sitting practice for certain lengths of time, and telling you when to do walking meditation, when to do sitting meditation. Um, I feel, I don't think, but I feel, interrupts the natural. Uh, I don't know if you'd say progression, but the natural state. Some people sit down and and can just sit there for four hours. We do have uh, have something that I call block sitting, where uh, especially it started by talking with, about in, to inmates about it. But now I see. As we go along, I see it's very good, especially people who don't live in the monastery, who don't have the opportunity to sit for extended periods. I say, pick out a time every couple weeks and sit for four hours. Sit there and don't move. Or endeavor to sit, strike a bell, strike a water glass, sit down hold still, don't move. So the attitude of not moving for four hours is, is there, but then we move anyway. And that's what the mind is doing around that is what I feel needs to be seen. Because that's a, there's a direct connection to the self-centeredness that's very hard to locate if you're looking for it. But it shows up. It's it, You get that display of, I can't do this anymore. Or, I, I think I need to stretch my legs. Or, you know, all of those things start happening, but they are in the container that was recommended by me and, and accepted or agreed upon by the meditator to, to do the best they can to stay in that four-hour. It's not a mistake if they sit for two hours or three hours or or 15 minutes or if they sit over that time there's no right or wrong to it it's always about awareness and so that form is just like the form of coming in here and sitting for two and a half hours in the afternoon every afternoon or two hours in the morning two hours at night. it's just a form you you, you might be sick so maybe you can't come so that's more of a that to me that more uh, makes what we're doing even though sitting six and a half hours a day is pretty extraordinary it makes it more ordinary because you still get to just be yourself, work with the forms as you are, and so and this would help you that when you leave here, I feel when you leave here, which it is it's a place you can leave, go somewhere else. But you can't. You have to stay here. No, anybody can leave. It's not a prison. But when you leave, then then that kind of then you're not missing those forms so much because the forms were just strong enough to give you a good container, but not so tr- so strong to make you feel like you needed some kind of authority over you. So you're. By having this person as an apparent authority, uh, I am also understand what this is in such a way that uh, uh, you need to be weaned off of this authority, but at your own speed. So that's kind of how that works. Does that make any sense to you? Question? We can do one more question. You have a question? Yeah. You look questionable. <laughs> <laughs> was, was it a real Ginsburg poem, like physically written I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew him. I knew him, so I met him. He he looked at some of my poetry and said, oh, "This sucks." <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he didn't. He 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 actually, uh, I think he reiterated uh, William Carlos Williams' uh, uh, idea that uh, no ideas but in things. and he told me to write more about stuff, and less about philosophical things. Mm-hmm. So it was very embarrassing too, to have him. <laughs> but I thought I, I should I should have him. He's a great poet. I should have him read something. I and at that time, I've uh, been, been writing a lot. I was trying to really try hard to be a really famous poet. <laughs> didn't work. I failed. So, yes, and, he, and you could, and I, he didn't sign it. I think he did sign uh, AG under it, and he couldn't resist that. <laughs> he kind of a vain fellow. But, uh, uh, but you could tell by, uh, if you're familiar with his work, you could tell that, that, that that's those, the way he put those words together, his signature was in his words. So it was quite interesting to see an outhouse poem. It's a really nice outhouse, too. It wasn't one of those shabby, beat-up ones with, with obscure poets writing. <laughs> we have to leave? Yeah. Where are we going? Uh, we're going to dedicate the Merit and then go to the Daily Darmageddon. Okay. And I would like to remind everybody we do have donation boxes still in the hallway, and gratefully accept any financial support you can help us. Donations are very important to the ongoing support of these teachings. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha.